What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. All right, what is up and welcome back to Zen Business. It's your host here, Jonathan Maxim, and I'm stoked to have you for another awesome episode of Business Insights, Mindfulness, whatever it is that I'm going through. I'm gonna share with you all of the achievements and uh, the downfalls that come with entrepreneurship and being a hardworking hustler these days. So um, today I'm excited to talk to you about, and this is the first time I've ever talked about this publicly, is uh, the acquisition offer. So. We were offered a million dollar acquisition and we said no. And I'm gonna walk you through the psychology of why we said no and you know how you can think about this for yourself. Um, so here's a, here's a quick story. So uh, um, another marketing agency that's much larger than ours does about a hundred million, uh, well, it's a hundred million dollar valuation and they offered to buy K&J and we essentially just said no at the end of it. Would you? That's the question I want you to ponder. And if you'd like to participate after you listen to this podcast, post on your story, tag me, and let me know whether you would have took the deal or not, because it was a hard decision. And I'm gonna walk you through exactly how that went down. But before I dive into the story, I wanna uh, quote quote somebody, uh, a gentleman who had just sold his company. He, he told me, and I was asking him for advising through this process, you know, as I was considering the sale of our company. And uh, basically what he said was, by the time your company is groomed to a point where it can be sold, you're not going to want to sell. So you got to think about it like this. Every entrepreneur dreams of having an exit or an acquisition and getting a million or multi-million dollar payout and boom, living the dream, retiring on a beach in Mexico and living the dream life. Well, it's really not that simple because this same entrepreneur who had just sold his company, he sold his company for, I don't know, I think it was like 70 million or something. He sold a, a private equity firm, a venture capital fund. And he said a lot of his friends, first of all, most of the people in his world have one exit over their lifetime. So he asked me, if you had to make an exit once, would this be the one? Would you make enough money on it? Are you willing to give up this company that you've worked on for five years to build? Are you willing to give that up for the price that they're offering and the value that they're offering? Because a lot of people only do it once. And I was like, well, why is it that people only do it once? And he said, you, you usually start a business in what you're best at, right? So if you build up this business and this client base and you got things running smoothly and you know, you're doing what you love, you're generally pretty good at what you love, and then you sell the company, well, now somebody else has taken your clients, they've taken your employees, they've taken your products and services and brand and everything. So by the time you finish your earnout, which is like the time you stay on to help uh, hand off the company to the acquirer, when you're done with that, you may have a few million dollars in the bank, but after the company is gone, you don't have anything to do. So what a lot of entrepreneurs do is say, okay, I'm gonna go start this dream business I've always wanted to do, but I couldn't because I you know, you know, started the necessary business, the one that made me the money that I needed at the time. So a lot of 
entrepreneurs go and try to start another business, more of like a dream business. The problem is a lot of dream businesses are are passionate, but they're not so uh, logical. They're not such good value propositions. They're not such good businesses. And so they'll go and start a business that is maybe in a really competitive industry like fitness or something like that. And then they'll end up you know, hitting roadblocks and, you know, it'll be kind of deflating because you have no money coming in. You're living off your nest egg. So every month you're watching your pot get smaller. And so in theory, if you ran too long like that, you could burn off all the money that you just made from your acquisition. You know, maybe you bought a house and then started another business and it could be back at, you know, baseline where you were before. And so then people try to buy or try to start another business Um, Typically, they try to start two or three before they find one that hits. And a lot of people just end up going back to what they're good at. In my case, it'd be like a marketing agency, you know, just end up starting another marketing agency. But after all of that, you've you've sold, you've maybe bought your dream home or, you know, spent that money that you wanted to make off the acquisition. Drawn from your nest egg to a point where it's much less substantial than it was when you actually exited and you spent a few years just fledgling, right? Just kind of a trash bag in the wind trying to find what you do next and then end up back in the same business that you started in, but with zero assets, zero clients, zero employees and zero processes. So it's a very dangerous cycle that people don't consider before they sell their companies. So it's a much bigger decision than is a million or two million or 10 million enough to buy me out of my own company. It's much bigger than that. It's what am I gonna do after this? How am I gonna secure my future for me and my family? So those, that, those pieces of feedback really had a big impact on me and it made me take a lot more pride and ownership in my company because like, I just worked on this for five years. I actually built a really well-running, very profitable business. You know, Our gross margins are around like 50%. So to give that to somebody else, you gotta remember, they're trying to get a deal here. They're trying to get it on the cheap. So if you're selling it, you're automatically inherently gonna be giving them some value discount because they're putting cash up front. So you're by nature selling it at a discount, which you know, when you think about it, it's like, well, do I wanna sell this at a discount? Is it the right time to sell it? Do I make enough money as a company to where it's going to be worthwhile to sell it, right? Like if it's not worth it to you know, have a six figure exit and you know, make a few hundred thousand dollars, like, come on, you just put years and years into this company. It has to be in the millions, the multi-millions to even begin to be a conversation. So that's the thinking I want you to go into this episode with. Uh, if you're considering selling your company or if your dream situation is to exit, to sell the company that you're working on currently, think again. So here's, here's what happened with our first acquisition offer. Now, we had five companies uh, that we were interviewing to acquire us. Um, the first offer that came in, I'm going to tell you that story. So $100 million agency based here in Los Angeles. Overall, great reputation company, at least on the surface. Um, came to find out that their, their services and their clients, you know, they had a really high turnover rate with clients and a high turnover rate with employees, which is, again, frightening. Um, The way I was thinking about it was, would I spend my money at this company that's trying to acquire me? And the answer was no. So that was a pretty clear indicator that I wouldn't want to be on their side, right? If, if If their standards don't meet mine. So here's what happened. This company was doing what's called a roll up. They're bringing a bunch of small marketing agencies together so that they can be a, go from a $10 million company to a $100 million company, you know, take 10 
10 million revenue companies or take, you know, five, five million revenue companies, put them together. And now they got 150 employees, 25 million in revenue, 5 million a year in profit or whatever their margin is. And their valuation goes up dramatically. If you're a company that's doing uh, 1 million a year, you're looking at a 3x multiple. So you get three times your profit, your EBITDA. If you're a company that's doing 10 million, you're going to be looking at like six to 10x multiple. So when you combine the companies, you make a lot more money on the multiple. So, you know, instead of if let's just say your your EBITDA is a million per year, at the small level, you make three million off that. But if you combine the companies and sell it, you'll make 10 million off of it. So that's what this company is doing. They're in the middle of a roll up and they were trying to acquire a bunch of small companies like ours. So they, they teased us with all of the standard things like, oh, we're going to do a big press conference. We're going to, you know, you're going to be able to tell all your friends you got a company acquired. It's going to make a great PR story. We're going to let you come into our office here. They had a nice office in Westwood. They brought us over there. Huge space, big spanning ceilings, uh, you know, nice hardwood floors. It was like a, a very um, vintage modern type of, of warehouse space. They offered to cover our HR, our finance, the operations, all the boring stuff in running a marketing agency, a creative agency, all of the typical faults of a creative agency. Because remember, like creatives aren't that process driven naturally. And so they were going to let me focus on closing enterprise deals. You know, at the time I had just closed TikTok as a client and they were going to let me just focus on that. Overall, sounds pretty great. Plus, they offered uh, salary, right? So, you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't normally have salary, right? You just take a percentage of the profits that you make. So this is guaranteed pay, also a nice bonus structure. And at the time, I think we were doing about a million and a half in revenue, and we still had a lot of operational kinks to roll out. So generally at that stage, probably not the best time to sell the company because it's usually in an upward growth trend. Um, so, you know, we were a little bit early in that situation. Like I don't, I probably wouldn't have advised somebody else to sell at that stage or, you know, start that conversation unless it was a really good valuation. But the really good valuations are going to come from uh, SaaS companies, companies that have a lot of software. Now, we do have a lot of software, but that's not our primary offering to clients. So it, it just that was one red flag was that we were a little bit early, but they were being very pushy in the sales process of you know trying to acquire us. So this was their offer. They were going to offer us 3x our profit, our annual profit or our EBITDA earnings before income tax and deductions, et cetera. And 3X multiple is pretty much industry. 4X is kind of more the standard now, uh, at least for that size company. Once you get to about 10 million in revenue, you're looking at like a five, six X. Once you get to like 50 million in revenue, you're looking at like a 10X multiple on your EBITDA. So the longer you wait, the more money you get for your company relatively uh, beyond the, the sheer numbers to the multiple becomes better. They offered us a three-year earnout, so we would have to stay with the company for three years and work for them. Um, of course, the big press conference that they wanted to run and do a bunch of PR and articles and things like that, guaranteed paychecks, shares and stocks in the company's phantom stock pool. That's what they told us it was, although they didn't explain it, and I'll explain why this was a huge deal breaker for us. Uh, of course, the beautiful office. All that in return for them taking over our brand, taking all of our staff, all of our processes, all the innovations that we came up with in-house, taking over our clients. Everything that we had built would belong to them. So we were looking at a, a few million dollar valuation and payout. That was the impression that they gave us. And this is where 
when you're a smaller company, listening to a podcast like this will be extremely resourceful to you because they may tell you that you have a $2 million valuation or whatever it is, but then they'll play mind games on you. And this is where you need really good advisors, really good lawyers, really good accountants in this so you don't get screwed over. You know, with our naivety, this was our first offer of the sort at the time. We didn't know it was industry standard. So everything they told us, they're like, oh yeah, this is just industry standard 3X. Well, I came to find out recently that it's more like 4X for our stage of company, EBITDA multiple. I came to find out that uh, the salary isn't really included in the valuation. Like that's kind of expected, but they were amping that part up as if it was some big bonus to us. And so, you know, when we looked at it all, we saw, okay, we'll have guaranteed paychecks, bonuses, you know, we get to have all the operations and the, you know, accounting and finance stuff taken over for us. But here's the kicker. So what they told us was, this is gonna be uh, a no cash deal so that you and us can avoid big tax expenses. That's what they told us. We didn't really understand what that meant because we were first timers in the space. And I didn't realize that they meant we're literally not gonna give you money for the company. What they did was this. They said, here's your valuation, it was a few million. And uh, so in our mind, we're thinking, okay, cool. We're, you know, we're each gonna get a, a mil or so to ourself. What they did was they broke up our compensation or the sale value into our salaries, our bonus structure. And then everything else they put into this phantom equity pool. Now, a phantom equity pool isn't bad, but they didn't explain to us what this is and they didn't explain the potential outcome. What this is, is you get stock in the acquiring company so that when they sell, if, if you're a 3X multiple and they're a 10X multiple, your stock will now be worth 10 times as much versus three times as much. So you could you know, get 10 million instead of 1 million. But they didn't explain that to us. All they said was, you'll get shares in our phantom stock, uh, phantom pool. They didn't explain how many. They didn't explain what their valuation was. They didn't explain what kind of exit or what kind of sale value those would go for when they get acquired. They also didn't provide a timeline on when they were planning to sell their company. So we had no concept of how valuable these phantom shares were. Let's just say they gave us a million dollars in phantom shares. Our million dollars in phantom shares if they sell for, let's say, a 5X multiple, our million dollars in shares would now be worth 5 million. So that actually makes it a pretty plausible case for selling. We're getting 1 million up front and 1 million in shares. And then that 1 million in shares is gonna be worth 5 million two years down the road. That would have made a lot of sense. But this is where their salesmanship was poor. They didn't explain that logic. They didn't anchor the value with us so that we would understand that because that would have changed our consideration for the matter. All they said was, you're gonna get shares in the phantom pool. Not how many, not how much the shares were worth, not how much the company valuation was, none of that detail was there. And so if they had done that, uh, there's a good likelihood that the deal would have gone through and they would have swooped up an amazing company that has tripled since then. And I'm glad we didn't sell because that was in 2019, it's 2022 now and we've tripled in size. So they would have benefited a lot by having us on board because we would have driven a bunch of new revenue to their company. Because remember, they're buying us, they, they would own us at that point. And so that was the main mistake that they made. So I'm gonna walk you through exactly why we said no. First of all, 
When you're going to get your company acquired, there's a due diligence process. In that due diligence process, they ask you everything about your company. They'll ask you who your clients are. They'll ask you who your employees are, how much you pay those employees. They'll ask you uh, where your clients are based, what your process looks like, what your special edge is, what your secret sauce. They look under the hood on everything. So it's a very invasive process. So if this company, who's in theory a competitor because it's another marketing agency, knows everything about how we run our company, in theory, they could just hire the same positions or poach our employees, which is even scarier. Second, they can just duplicate our processes and try to duplicate our value and get all of the value of K&J without ever having paid a penny for it. All they had to do was do their due diligence. So that was a very sketch process that we were very careful about. And we were naive at the time and we gave them what they were asking for. But now looking back, we hugely regret it because they probably just took all the insights and integrated them into their company and became that much more competitive against us, made us that much smaller of competition to them because they're a much larger company. So them doing extensive due diligence, asking invasive questions, putting a ton of financial reporting on our side, that was very deflating. Also, I have another friend who went through the same process and he said no to the offer. The acquiring company went and tried to hire his employees, started making offers to all his employees, ended up poaching like three out of their 15 staff. So that's a huge risk. And second, they did that kind of uh, divergent, sinister move and they ended up paying for it in another way. But that's a huge risk, right? Like as a service company, if somebody knows your secret sauce, they can steal what you do, especially if it's a bigger competitor, they could put you out of business for it. So you need to get letters of intent written, LOIs, you need to have NDAs to protect your IP that they're gonna be looking at. And you need to think carefully, like how much am I gonna share with them? So that DD process is extremely dangerous to the smaller brand in this process. And we just felt they were doing unnecessary digging, right? Like you have a good concept of the business, you know how much profit we make. All that really matters is how much revenue and how much profit do we make? How, how effective are we as a business? What's the business health look like? We can show you under the hood and get you all of the specifics once we you know, have a term sheet signed and we're you know, agreed to move forward. But showing that stuff before there's anything inked, huge risk, huge risk. So that was something that was a red flag to us Second, they tried to convert our big cash payout. Normally companies pay 50% upfront and 50% on the tail end when you finish your earnout. So let's just say two years down the road. They tried to distribute our cash payout over the next two to three years instead of paying anything upfront. And they didn't tell us that until we were at the very finish line. But they led us to believe we were gonna get a big valuation, AKA a big payout. So we felt deceived in that part of the process. Second, they had way too much focus on the PR story. They were bragging to us about how popular we would be and how much respect we would have in the industry for having an acquisition and all of this stuff and all the Bloomberg and Forbes articles will get out of it. None of that was important to us because we're like, dude, we're already right for Forbes and Entrepreneur. We don't, <laughs> we don't need your press story. I mean, it sounds cool, but like it's very temporary. So they were, that part felt like a hard sell on their part, another red flag uh, and I, you know, Part of me thinks that they weren't very experienced in this process or they wouldn't have been pushy about it. Instead would have you know, used a pull approach to try to draw us in more. Which leads me to my last point of why we turned down this multi-million dollar offer. It was just poor salesmanship on their part. They didn't explain the phantom pool well, so we didn't understand the future value of the stock that we were going to get in their company, if any. 
which is the whole value of this transaction. So if they're not explaining the value to us while they're trying to sell to us, then why would we buy or why would we sell? The value isn't clear. So they didn't offer a clear, also in, in, in their actual offer document they gave us, they didn't offer a clear valuation. They didn't pinpoint, okay, you guys are worth 3 million bucks or 2 million bucks or whatever. They just said all the company valuation will be converted to uh, phantom shares. So they didn't even show a percentage of phantom shares versus cash payout. It, it was a very obscure offer letter. Meanwhile, they're offering us a valuation that in theory should have been making us rich. Uh, but this is what you have to watch out for. People framing it as a big cash payout, but then saying, oh, well, we're going to distribute it in the form of your paycheck and then your bonuses. And again, you know, we're less experienced. We probably could have done a better job of probing and getting that knowledge out of them. But we're the younger guys and they were telling us this is all just industry standards. So we, we didn't really know. Now, looking back, of course, I would never take a deal like that. I probably could have negotiated with them and just said, pay 50% up front. But by that point, the deal was so sour and we were so insulted by the amount of probing and due diligence that they made us do and that they did on us. It, it had just killed the emotional momentum of the deal. So, you know, that's just something you got to keep in mind in the sales process. You got to keep both, pe both people excited about it. Both sides have to be excited. Both has to be commercially viable for both sides. Both sides have to feel like they're winning and both sides have to make money on this. Otherwise, there is no transaction. And that's how we came down to it. They also did a poor job of, of framing it. They, they said it was a no cash deal for tax reasons, which wasn't true. They were just trying to reduce their operational and, and capex, right? They're trying to reduce the amount of money they put down. And of course, there's no allure if you're not getting paid a, a fair value for your company. If it's just going to be tapered over years, I'm going to earn more money just taking my salary out of the company because K&J is growing. So it doesn't really make sense to take a fixed salary and have that earn out and then them just by them paying my salary, they're getting you know equity in my company for that. It just it did not make sense. So looking back, you know, we probably could have negotiated better on coming to a clear valuation and coming to a clear cash offer for that valuation. But they were just they were just hiding that stuff. And I don't think this is that unusual. You know, I've been through now since then, we've been through that process four more times. And every time we, we start to smell, you know, somebody being obscure with the details of it, we instantly just shut the deal down and stop it right in its tracks. And so since then, we also have had some other deals that did mature, some other acquisition offers where we were super clear about our valuation. We demanded a higher multiple. We pushed back on everything that they asked for and the deal terms looked much better. So if you are considering selling your company or if you want to sell your company as an end goal, these are the things that you should be thinking about. And you shouldn't just take an offer just because you get the allure of an acquisition or an exit. Because in the long run, it could sabotage your career, it could kill your nest egg, and it could take your business right out from under you without you even knowing it. So it's not as glamorous as it sounds. And I've given you a really candid look inside of the honest details of what happens in the acquisition process so that you can be equipped to push back where we were not equipped. We were getting played around like little rag dolls. And next time around, we're going to be in the power position. So that's where I want you to be. 
I think, you know, as you grow your company or you think about building a company, be thinking about what's the end goal here? Do I want to sell this company after a few years or five years or 10 years? K&J, we're five years into it. So, you know, it at least takes that long with a lot of companies. Whereas uh, in other cases, if you're not a service business like us, you might be like an e-commerce company. Those ones generally uh, command very high multiples for acquisition. So that can be a good path. Or do you just want to take your salary? You know, there's months where we make five, six figures a month in profit, each of us partners. And you add a bunch of those good months together and it's, you know, that that could be multi-millions over the course of a year as a business owner. So if you sell it to somebody else, all you're going to be doing is putting those big bonuses into their pocket. So, you know, the allure of getting, let's just say, a $2 million paycheck, yeah, it sounds cool, but if you have to work for the company for two more years, could you have made $2 million over the course of those two years, right, and never sold your company? So that's how you have to be thinking about this. So I know this this episode is definitely more for people who are a little bit further along in their business and are you know looking at some of these more M&A, mergers and acquisitions type of deals. But I think the the story is interesting for anybody because like anything else, the person buying is looking for a deal. And if they're getting a deal, you're not necessarily getting a deal. So you have to find a way to make it commercially viable for both sides. All right, that's all I got for you today. I hope this was interesting. I hope you enjoyed uh, being in the passenger seat for a real e-true Hollywood story of, uh, of the business world. And if you, if you did enjoy it, you know, make sure to share it out on social media, tag me on Instagram. And if you would have sold, how would you have handled this? Would you have gone back and fought for a better valuation? Would you have fought for more cash up front? Would you have fought for a shorter earnout? Would you fought for uh, a clearer path to exit with the, the phantom share pool? Let me know, tag me, DM me. I'd love to, to hear what you would have done in this scenario. All right, that's it, we out. Have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you soon.